God, it's so it's a piece of oh. shit. Yes. All right, we're live. And we're, we're live. talking about LinkedIn, everyone. It's <laughs> a wasteland. A it's wasteland of bad yeah. UI, cheesy people trying to tell you that, you know, everybody is a, a management coach and a life coach. It's just it just annoys the hell out of me. And don't forget the marketing coaches, you know, how to get more followers, how to you know, increase your presence on LinkedIn, oh, yeah. all of that, which I'm kind of like, look, if you don't have product, why would you have followers? And well, and you're going to be sending these uh, wonderful messages just like we're sending to you. Yeah. That, so, that's what we're going to teach you how to do. Send annoying messages to people. Yeah. But anyhow, that was just related to our our streaming uh, efforts here. Um, so, uh, Brad, what do you think's going on today? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe an all-time <laughs> high on Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I think that that was to be expected. I mean, yeah, it felt like uh, it. I thought it was going to break yesterday. Oh, holy crap! Look at DeFi. Oh, that's ten-minute chart. I'm like, what the? F I know. Don't you love that? It's like, <laughs> oh, the Earth's falling apart. Like, oh, that's the one-minute chart. <laughs> it's like, God. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I would have been happy. Uh, you know, I got that DeFi. Defined stake. Uh, so Bitcoin, man. Yeah. I mean, look, we, you know, we kind of saw it coming, you know. Um, yeah. It didn't seem like there was any surprise or shock about it. I guess uh, ETF helps push that over because people think it's really important. Um, you know, I, I, I want to see ETH break it because I'm not holding a ton of Bitcoin right now, frankly. Um, but I am holding ETH. So glad to see ETH over four and uh, would like to see that. Uh, where was the all-time high on ETH? Do I have like that marked 40, right? 40, I think it's 43.50, somewhere around there. Because I was looking at that this morning, and I was like, where is um, – I have 43.63 marked, but I don't know what it is. That sounds right. That sounds right. Um, you know, when you look at these um, charts, again, in the morning, lots of buying starting at 8 o'clock or 8.30 uh, New York time. All the way up to almost 11 you know just like ETH, you see you know looks to me like about 120,000 purchased in that range of time and, uh, and that's just i'm looking at just the binance order right okay not binance us but binance uh malta and then you see the same thing in in btc you know some buy you know about a couple thousand at eight and then you know it looks like about ten thousand bought between 9 45 and 10 a.m you know, then more and then a little bit of selling, of course. Um, but, you know, that's that's institutional buyers, you know. And interestingly enough, when you look at um, uh, Ben Lilly's piece, uh, it's a day or so old at this point from Jarvis Labs. You know, he's talking about this, that, you know, um, this is an ETF or, or futures uh, buying driven. This is actually spot long buying. So. That's what we want to happen. So yeah. that means that there is demand for the supply. And when you combine it with all his other analysis, again, they're on like Jarvis Labs, uh, whatever. But Ben Lilly Espresso, and the latest one was called like Healthy Rise. And you see that he he feels it's, they feel it's going to price discovery mode. Everybody else I see says that. And what that means, I don't know, Brad. What, what, what do you think price discovery mode Please. is here? I, you know, I love these terms. They crack me up. Um, I, you know, 
price. Just means how high is it going to go? <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of people waiting to see who's willing to keep buying. Um, I, uh, I I think for Bitcoin, like you know, uh, some I saw somebody tweet earlier today. Everybody likes round numbers in this world, so you know maybe we'll see a lot of take profit at seventy. Um, but maybe it surges past it. It's not moving real fast right now. I mean, it's not like, you know, um, right now it's kind of hanging out. Um, yeah. so I don't know. We'll see. I think yeah. it can get to 70. I don't know if it will or not. My mother-in-law is going to be happy. Um, so, cause she, I made her buy some, uh, uh, before the, before the bull market last year. So, yeah. um, that's good. Um, yeah, well, that's very interesting because I was just reading. Uh, where did that go? Did I just override that article I had open? I think I did. I was just reading this. Ah, that is not it. Where did my ETH supply? Oh, here we go. Uh, that the reserves at the exchanges are shrinking and staking is growing rapidly before 2.0 is even here. And, you know, at the same time, we're burning ETH, like a lot of friggin' ETH. What's that uh, ETH burns tracker? Uh, probably enter that in Google and you'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't me, remember all. Let I me Google that like, for you. Here, yeah. daily ETH burn chart. Like, you know, I mean, this, you, everybody thinks the happening is a big deal for Bitcoin. I'm, I'm telling you, this... Um, this burn model, uh, daily ETH burnt 11,896, yesterday 8,521. You know, I mean, this is this is serious. Like, this is really serious. The the amount, the deflationary supply of Ethereum and the fact that exchanges don't have enough and people locking it into staking, right? I mean, that's a quick and easy, you know, if you do Lido, Lido I don't know how it's pronounced, but... You know, this is a really interesting um, model because if you think about it, when you stake at Lido, you get these staking tokens that you can then go borrow against. Um, you know, so you're getting 4.9% on your ETH while ETH is climbing over 4,000. And then you take the S ETH tokens they give you and there's all these other um, uh, uh, things you can do with them. Uh, I got this this great guy that I'm connected with, and he and I've talked about trying to do some stuff together. Uh, Justin Bram, who also leads a cool project that automates some trading stuff, but called Brink Trade. But Justin Brand's Bram's YouTube channel, he's got some ways to leverage SETH uh, on one of his videos. Um, anyway, I. I you know, everybody says, well, the flippening, the flippening. And I always kind of laughed at that. But I'm really starting to wonder if Ethereum is eventually going to surpass here, you know, um, and relative to like increasing staking, deflationary supply, exchanges running out. I think that bodes pretty well for Ethereum. We'll see what happens. I don't know if the institutional guys are doing as much, but um, I definitely think like if you go to an institutional person, you say, look, you can stake an appreciating token and get 4.9% over that in more of that token. There's going to be a lot of folks interested in that, right? I mean, it's not what we, you and I want to play with right now, but because we're DGENs, but um, 
there's a lot of folks that would be interested in a play like that. So, well, yeah, look, if you can increase returns, you know, into like the least risky of plays in the crypto space um, and juice a portfolio that's 95% in, you know, super conservative traditional finance. I mean, you know, you're employee of the year at that point. Right. <laughs> so exactly. Like, the bonuses are pouring down on you. Yeah. Um, so to me, I think Goldman Sachs job or something. Yeah. So I'm thinking somewhere along the line, people will figure out how to do that and probably figure out how to hedge out any risk in that little juice side of the returns to a point where you're just de-risking it even more, selling it off to somebody else. So, you know, that's the kind of innovation that, you know, people that just spend all the time trying to figure out how to make money uh, put their brains toward with the math guys and the chemistry guys and the physics guys to figure out how to um, get those returns as safe as possible. So yes, these are great new instruments. Yeah, like Synthetics has a pool, an S-ETH pool that earns you fees. Um, Curve has something going on with S-ETH. So, um, and I think you can borrow against the S-ETH if you want, or, or, or lend, borrow, lend, whatever, against the S-ETH. So there's a lot of opportunities for these guys to come in here and make some bank. So you anyway. Know, you know how I'm always talking about curve. I'm just looking at this uh, screen of yours. It's up and I keep, you know, I talk uh, market cap to TVL and how it's like 0.06 at curve and it's 0.24 at Ave. But, you know, I mean, it could all be just the user interface right here. <laughs> I mean, that just looks like, I don't know what, man. It doesn't it's look intentional. Like it's supposed to look like uh, retro retro. Yeah, like uh, old um, Unix interface, I think, is what they're going for. And that's exactly what it looks like. Or the DOS, or if you yeah, think about it, DOS interfaces, out. you know, um, when DOS had, when people would paint uh, windows in DOS, uh, it's definitely, uh, it, for me, it's kind of nostalgic, you know, that's my, yeah. um, my um, early computer days. Uh, were interfaces at the at the command line, and then as these progressed, so. Well, my read is that I think the institutional guys are younger than us at this point, and that nah. they don't even. No, a lot of them are. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of them are. They're the smart ass dudes from MIT and everywhere that are like you know Doogie Hauser types, like 23, 24. and um, you know, they're like, what the hell is this kind of retro look? They don't get it. Yeah. Um, so to me, I think like I've been messing around a lot on Geist, you know, I'm loading up over there on Phantom just because I figured out, a, you know, a couple thousand percent interest, whatever, staking and some angles there. And, um, you know, it's the Ave kind of fork on um, Phantom. To me, yeah. that's a clean look. So if I'm like coming in, you know, worrying about, you know, fat fingering, you know, $180 million <laughs> by accident, <laughs> the wrong price. I'm super paranoid as hell. I don't want to get fired. And so I'm going to want to go to something that looks like the stuff I'm used to looking at. And so that's yeah. where I see, you know, Ave, guys, those kinds doing really, really well. And I wonder if Curve, you know, maybe, you know, had an institutional facing screen that looked different. It might get that uh, $2.88 token up to like 15 bucks. That's a good point. You know what? You're absolutely right. Now, people I can put an interface onto Curve, right? Like they can so. for a lot of other primitives, Liquidity and Alchemix will have that soon. And uh, Ohm and Olympus Dow will have that soon. So um, I listened to Zeus from Ohm on Bankless uh, this morning, driving the kids back and forth. Uh, pretty good interview, but 
he did much better on our show. So my show. So yeah, just, just, just going to say that those bankless guys, they're, they're good. They're great, but they're, you know, well, I you peel know, out the personal shit from people. Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I was on my back. So two other things I initiated on this morning, last night was uh SIF chain. Oh, you went back to that? Business. You did? You bought it? I bought it. And just because they're so tied with Adam and Cosmos and because there's a pool. And you lived couple, happily ever after. For a couple of thousand um, APY on QuickSwap. Yeah, I, I, again, you know. Say hello, Joe. You will live happily ever after at SIF chain. Yeah. Well, my thesis is How do I get in there? Into what? The decks? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you go, you go buy, you buy. Their token is uh, Rowan, R O W A N, and on QuickSwap, uh, Polygon QuickSwap, it's E R O W A N. So you Wait, buy there. R W A N. Um, no, Echo, Randy, uh, Oscar, Whiskey, Alpha, uh, Nancy, Arrowan. This one. Yeah. So they just are making it so difficult to, for me to want to do anything with them. Well, they put in like five new pools on uh, QuickSwap. On QuickSwap? Yeah. So they don't have an app. You know, honestly, I closed all those pages, but I, there I'm was. Looking. You Features. could do. Hold on, hold on. What the, all right. Cosmos. No, hold on. Cosmos. Substantially more transactions per second than Ethereum. It's its own blockchain, though, right? Allegedly. Now, look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How deep are you on this one, dude? Well, here's the thing. Okay, let me explain my thesis. So we talk, everybody talks about it as the concept of a layer ones and how you port between layer ones. Okay, so right. Ether, Phantom, Avalanche, you know, Civ Chain, whatever. So to me, I look at it and we talk a lot about multi-chain liquidity, um, AMM across multi-chain. And I started thinking that maybe the real hubs are not the layer ones. Maybe the real hubs are the protocols that access ah. the most layer ones. And so to me, anything that's like multi-chain um, access on pricing or liquidity and things like that, where it gets to that seamless UI, UX that we talk about, where it's easy to use, where we don't have to like write 20-step programs or whatever to get from one to the other. I mean, it's getting easier than that. Don't get me wrong. But something that's user-friendly. But I, I kind of think it's going to be the intersections now more than the... Uh, so the layers themselves. The layer so this ones. is you're basically making a defined play because it's supposed to be a cross-chain DEX. Yes. And it's integrated with Cosmos, which is Atom, which, you know, is a cross-chain protocol, multi-chain protocol, omni-chain, meta-chain, whatever. It's, it's got the same thing everybody's talking about. And so I'm thinking maybe that's where the builds come from, that they're not going to be the layer-centric builds. They're going to be the nodes in between the layer ones just a theory obviously um you know there's many ways to look at it but you know because of that and because oh. i saw a pool on quick swap at two thousand percent i said hey i've been talking about this for a while why don't we get some now so, all right so let me go check out this quick swap pool i i still can't figure out i i, I get very nervous when things are vague um and they are vague but they've got big people behind them, right? Big investors. Well, Wasn't that what we looked at the other day? Yeah, yeah. There's real investors. And look, <clears throat> I always look at tokens too. So in this case, you know, it has a lot of tokens. It's got a, a, a billion. Oh, yeah. Alameda. 
Yeah. So it's got real money Mechanism. or smart money in it. Yeah. They've already got a billion tokens out. 20, 250 million are circulating, but there's no inflation on this one. It's already fully diluted. So you don't have that situation where someone has a 40 billion token supply and there's a billion out and you're going, oh, it's only a penny. <laughs> but it's like you're looking at, you know, 990 percent dilution. Um, this is already fully out. And with Cosmos, you know, they just launched another. They're kind of doing a Kusama kind of play with something called Sagan, a sort of te canary test net for them. Um, all about cross-chain and multi-chain. So to me, I mean, you probably can figure out which one I chose of the pools, but... Um, no. What? I, I, oh, I went for the Adam and uh, Erewhon. Oh, okay. How do you... Well, I can't believe QuickSwap doesn't have a search yet. It's hard. It doesn't work. you got to hit the APY button so it scales high to low um, and then just scroll Wait, down. where is the farm? Is it In, LP mining or dual yes, mining? LP mining. Oh, wait, there's the search. It never really seems to work for me. I, maybe a pop-up window issue or something. There, Arrow 1 Quick and Arrow 1 Adam. I did Adam because, you know, Quick, I don't really, I mean, I don't think Quick's bad. It's got like 150 million market cap with, you know, billions right. of PVL, but right. it just doesn't seem to, um, I don't know. It's I acquire it and then use it to buy the other token. Usually. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's a nice APY you got running there. Yeah, so that'll spin off about 50 bucks a day that I can then buy more Atom, which is that's what awesome. I really want because, but they've been up like three or 4X in 30 days. So I'm wary about the entry point. But, you know, here we are getting free Atom. So I quickly DCA that down to, you know, um, 15, 16 bucks when it's trading at about 35. So, um, you know, that's kind of the play that I, I look at how to do this. Yeah, I like it. So, I no. like it. I haven't looked at quick pools in a long time. There's always some interesting new stuff there. I mean, after a while, I get bored with it. Um, you know, and I guess I'm defined. I'm almost hitting my Holy targets. Shit. What Which the ones? hell is this? Oh, yeah. Quick. I was in mood like about three months ago for a day, <laughs> you know, and it was just, I mean, I, I borrowed, it was when I was first trying to figure this out and I was borrowing stables and investing in these high, high APY pools. Um, you know, you could do it. It's just kind of a, you know, a lot. You're only getting 0.78 D quick a day. Total rewards, $421 a day. How much is in the pool? 68,000. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's still over. I can't count the zeros. What is that? 10 million percent? Something How? like that. It doesn't work. Well, because well, there's a lot of Erewhon pools. Yeah. So I say they launched a whole field of them today or yesterday. So. Huh. That means it's getting support at quick swap level. Um, you know, and I don't know what they're haven't figured out. Let me see. Am I looking at that's Cosmos? So Sift Chain, Erewhon on the exchanges. Um, where are there? Wait, what was PBR? We were just talking about PBR. Polka Bridge. Yeah, 930%. Yeah, I've liked that one a lot too. Um, I just haven't gotten there yet. Look, I'm in the mode of trying to like streamline my portfolio right now to yeah. take advantage of the capital transitions that are coming up with you know hopefully price discovery and btc and eth yeah um and then the big so i'm rotating up right now from the smaller stuff okay um you know like the libra stuff and you know probably um uh the spirit stuff you know the things although spirits you know it's like one of the two top ones on phantom so i'm not in a big rush there 
Right. Um, but, you know, kind of going more to Ave and Geist and Curve and Adam and Avalanche, groups like that, that I think, you know, back to Polkadot and Chainlink, one of those two usually. Um, and then start thinking about, you know, Sushi and Uni and groups like that, just because I think that's where, if I'm rotating profits out, that's where I'm heading <clears throat> after after ETH. Right. Um, before I go down to NFTs and all the small ones. So I kind of think you can get out now, you know, move up the food chain and then take the winnings and go back down when, you know, the guideline is usually when these smaller things are trading 95% off the all-time high yep. um, for alt season. But, you know, I mean, how is that holding up? There was always that transition between BTC and alts, you know, lumping Ethan as an alt in this discussion. Right. Um, do you really see that happening? The big rotations still um, on, on your other I, stuff. I do. When um, on our mean reversion indicator, I will see um, like this morning. You know, it's less. It is less. Um, a year ago, nine months ago, even maybe six months. Eh, no, I would say a year ago to nine to months to a year ago. When I would see a run like Bitcoin's making right now. I would see a mass exodus from alts, right? I would get like 150 signals for trades because everybody's dumping their alts to go buy Bitcoin and catch the train. I got, what did I get this morning? Like six to 10, mm -hmm. something like that. Let me see what my history was for this morning. You know, and I'm out of all those trades. They're not even like dragging. They're not even bleeding. I mean, it, it, it you know. They're all closing at one and a quarter very fast. And they have volume to support, you know, bigger trades right now. So I I um I typically uh would we used to see mass exodus and now now we're not. We're we're not seeing as much. I don't think it's as tied anymore. Maybe there's just so many more opportunities, you know, in the well, there's more people space. too. Yeah. I mean it's I think that the god the total non BTC market cap has got to be getting close to the BTC market cap. I mean yeah. everything, because um, you know. But as to the flipping that you referenced earlier, you know, which you know obviously is when ETH market cap exceeds BTC market cap. I mean that's something that people have been talking about for a long time. And um, I mean I kind of think from what you said earlier, you know, there's. I mean, from what I can tell, BTC doesn't have a deflationary piece in it. It's stagnant. It's to hold steady. And yep. um, with Ethereum, now that you're actually going to have a net z negative or less tokens each time, that's a big thing. Whether I agree. At, um, I don't know, remember how many are out there of Ethereum, approximately. Uh, I don't even pay attention to this stuff anymore. Let's see. Uh, circulating supply, 118 million. Yeah, so that's five, five and a half times ish more than uh, BTC. Yeah. So you know, I could do the math when you're doing a continuous burn and decreasing supply. It, it essentially is compounding in a negative way. Yeah. Um, so that accelerates. The yep. velocity will accelerate in that curve. So to me, this really makes the case of you know sort of you know why you're going to want to be in in eth right now and you know going forward for the rest of that uh, yep. ecosystem at least that's one person's interpretation
Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. I, I definitely think there's more there. It's I, I've, I've been stacking more. I'd like to say it was because I'm brilliant, but I just, again, went with my gut. So. Well, no, you, we talked about this months ago when, you know, when you kind of confided that you were stacking uh, ETH at that point. And I was thinking along the same thing. And, you know, but I usually was acquiring somewhere in like the 28 range, 27 range. I wasn't doing a lot of acquiring above you know, 32, let's say. Right. But then I started realizing, look, the writing's on the wall on this, that, you know, even at this price, it's still, you know, not the whole stack that if you're the first person in, but, you know, you definitely should feel, you know, um, how do I put it the right way? You know, a part of something, you know, invest a part of something first. Yeah. And have, have reinforcements left, dry powder. Yep. Um, even at this level. Totally agree. So... Totally agree. Uh, yeah, I, it looks like in 24 hours, I've had about 24, 25 signals. A year ago, with this kind of a run by Bitcoin, would have been 140, 150 signals. Hmm. Yeah, I think I people mean, are maturing. The market is maturing. Yeah, but there's always luckily going to be the stuff that's just <clears throat> a little bit outlaw out there, you know, as yeah. in a sense of, you know, where you feel like a rebel or something. Um, but at the same time, you want your stacks getting legitimized too, in the sense that, you know, protected, safe, all of those things. So yep. I like this new inflow. Yep. Um, and I like the fact that I just believe that nowadays it can't, you know, go to get cut in half, go to zero, things like that. I think that's off the table now. Um, I mean, yeah, I agree. unless it's a complete, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, destruction of everything kind of thing. Um, but, you know, when you look at the buys on the books and things at the, you know, 20% below the price, I mean, there's a ton of it sitting there to be bought. And that's just the stuff that you can see. Yep. That's not the stuff that's in the bots that, that you know, is trigger driven or price driven that's sitting on the sidelines because the buys haven't happened yet. Yep. So you can't see that, right? Right, Brad? Uh, we can see we can see the orders in our fire charts. Is that what you mean? Yeah, so yeah. you can see those orders too. Absolutely. Um, but you can't see the conditional ones where it's like if a no. price hit, okay. Well, no, we can see limit orders, but we can't see, uh, well, we now have margin and options. We see just about everything now. So unless someone was sitting there manually punching it in. Uh, for a market um, order, that's what we can't see. Yeah, and yeah. that's where like somebody came in today and did a market order, I think of 10,000 BTC or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> at yeah. One point. So, which was always fun, you know, as you know, what move the board basically by the board, as I used to call it, but not with something like that, you know, with some like micro, <laughs> micro, micro, micro penny thing. I'm thinking of Graviex, if you remember that one, but yeah, yeah. But so, um, um, what else? Uh, I just real quick reference for everybody. I love this Twitter account at Fiat Bubble. They also have a Telegram channel. They do these really cool like infographics on like, 24 hour growth in DeFi projects by 24 hour volume and top games on BSC. And I don't know what their gig is because I, I think they have a Discord channel and they have a um, they have a Telegram channel. I, I don't know if they're selling something, what, there's no website, but I don't care. I love the the data they're providing. Um, you know, they just do these cool little graphic charts on specific projects, on collections of projects. And um, it's given me great um, ideas for guests, but it's also, you know, gives you a um, 
insights into um, uh, things that might be moving. This one's interesting. Projects on Polygon with a high social signal. So I guess they're pulling sentiment or number of tweets or number of Facebook posts, whatever relevant to a particular thing, which is like, oh, wait a minute, look at this. Okay, uh, this one's, what the hell's rev racing, right? So, um, and why are 25,000 people talking about it? What the hell is bone swap? So, you know, it's an interesting, um, interesting tool. Um, you can go to, they always put the links in the Telegram channel to the ones, uh, the ones that they're focused on that are in that graphic. Unstoppable yield farming on Polygon. All right. Is this our next, is this going to be our next ape, Joe? Let's see it. 75,000 people are talking about it. Let's see what we got on BoneSwap. I'm leaning in. Okay. So they are an AMM on Polygon. I don't know what KCC is and OKEX chain, which I don't know who's on that chain. Whoops. I just went in somehow. I don't even know which one I'm in. Avalanche. I don't want Avalanche. Pulling it up. Um, what's the name of it again? Boneswap.finance. Bone so we're going to say it's a DEX. Did it just automatically roll into there? Because I can't even hit the back button. It's a DEX slash yield farm slash. It looks like a pancake swap copy. That's what it looks like. Let's go into the Polygon farm. Oops. This is interesting. Okay. They must have done a bunch of affiliate shit. But how do you get into the DAP? I don't understand. There's something about an emergency unstake or something like that. So. Maybe they're only on Avalanche right now. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, okay. Well, you know, but look, this is an interesting thing because I was thinking about this this morning. You know, I tend to use one of the reasons, you know, Brad and I have been working together for so long at this point is, you know, you guys know that I look at the financial stuff and try to interpret the numbers in ways that sort of make sense from a traditional finance perspective as well. And then do this <clears throat> the strategic analysis piece around business model and where I might think the market's going. But there's other metrics, too. And Brad hit on one. And I was just thinking about this this morning, you know, like the social media sentiment is one, um, you know, all the things around consumer, um, you know, will the dogs eat the dog food kind of concept. And, um, you know, uh, how many followers in a Telegram channel? Um, is the management team doxxed or, you know, hidden It just different metrics that, you know, he picked up on before I did. Right. And, you know, I'm giving you the simplistic ones, of course, that, you know, everybody under the age of 30 probably knows those already, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's one of the, I kind of come from a finance perspective and a strategy perspective. Right. So, you know, Brad being more of a digital marketing guy too, on top of all of that, you know, and adds a tremendous amount of value to the, to how you look at things because those are yep. sort of intangible they're tangible and but you know a lot of people don't get that um and then the other thing i was just kind of curious what you thought brad is that if you know again i've heard this before and said it before but it kind of just bubbled back up in a discourse yesterday but you know cryptocurrency being kind of the internet of money and i know that sounds trite but think about you know dot com and you know we were both veterans of that and you know, all the things that came out of the carnage, Apple, yep. I mean, Apple, the real the Apple we know today, Amazon, Google, Facebook, you know, those were in carnage or post carnage launches. Um, all these things <laughs> that 
change the world. It all came out of dot com bullshit, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to me, I'm thinking an analogous to are we at a Netscape moment yet in crypto or have we passed it? Um, you know, I, I don't I heard people saying they don't think we're even there yet. Um, and I'd be kind of curious just your general thoughts on that. Well, I mean, look, I I think we're getting close. Um, I don't think we've hit that yet. It's funny. The other day I was thinking about, um, I can vividly remember uh, being in a sports bar and I'm being the guy just like I am now, uh, less so now though, uh, the guy always talking about the internet and everybody looking at me like, what the fuck is that? You know? And, um, and you know, I was beating that horn. I was tooting that horn from like 1995, the first time I logged on to the to the internet and went crazy. I mean, that's when, you know, my partner and I at the time started, the, you know, the first web-based software as a service provider for small businesses. And we started building it in 1996, 97. And people thought we were extraordinarily insane. Like, you know, this vision that people were going to run applications on the web when people didn't even know what the hell the web was, was just, you know, I was a nut job. Um, and turns out I should have waited a few years. But anyway, um, uh, I remember vividly being in a sports bar with a bunch of buddies. And this was later. Uh, I'm not sure what year, 98, maybe. And the first consumer product ad I ever saw with a website address in it was a oil company for uh, automobile oil, like, uh, you know, Pure Later or whatever. And I said, okay, that's it. That was my Netscape moment, right? It was like, this is real now because large consumer commercial brands are referencing their website address on major television buys, right? And it wasn't, hey, come check out our new website. It was just, Here's our web address along with the rest of the advertisement. So that for me was kind of like this big legitimacy moment. And I knew it was going to explode after that. Um, and so for us now with crypto, it's it's the same feel of I'm always the one talking about it. And now my mother-in-law, instead of saying, oh, that stuff's just crazy, right, is now clipping out articles for me about crypto. So I think we're getting closer. You know, the, my 84-year-old mother-in-law is, is now paying attention. Um, I think we're getting closer. I don't think we're quite there yet, but I think we're getting very close. The thing that I'm constantly harping about is we have to break one of these primitives into the real world, right? We, we've got to give people something to do with it that's not just buying and trading or holding. It's got to be like you were talking about payments oriented or something. And for me, the the greatest, the, the protocol I think has the best opportunity for that besides just simplified payments and money transmittals. Um, don't let me forget to um, talk about money transmittals in a minute um, is Alchemix because this whole concept, while it will seem far-fetched to people of a self-paying loan, is something that's incredibly applicable and I can see it hitting luxury housing, luxury cars, uh, investing in other real life things because the idea that you can deposit a bunch of money, take half of it out, buy what you want to buy, invest in what you want to invest in and never pay that back 
and get all of your money back after a few years, I think is a compelling story, right? And so that's, you know, want to remodel your house, take out an equity loan, put the money into the into Alchemix, take half out. But the key is it's got to be directly integrated into applications in the Web2 world, right? It's got to be, to me, it's got to... So I think it's happening. I think we're getting very close in terms of people who are buying and holding and thinking there's value, but we've got to have real world applications that people want to use. And so yeah. um, I think we're not there yet. So, well, it's kind of interesting when you think about what people were trading in .com. If you remember, like, I mean, still people try to trade them, the domain names and, yep. um, you know, things that weren't, I mean, they're almost like a token. Yeah. Um, in a way, in the sense, I mean, other, you know, people are, as you know, trying to NFT them and, you know, point to the domain location and things. That's kind of something going on. But but in a lot of ways, um, you couldn't do anything with them other than buy and sell them. So yep. I think now you see applications for crypto and that you can invest it. Yep. Um, you know, you can. I mean, I was thinking a lot about how, you know, another layer coming is obviously you know, if you add liquidity to a liquidity pool, then stake the LP token somewhere, you know, and then get another LP token that you can then stake somewhere else. You know, I think now we're going to see layers of, um, you know, liquidity where it's going to start kind of not being maybe leveraged up, but in a way where you can keep those spirals going just off the original sort of risk tolerance level that you put in yeah. place. Um, I mean, it's the sky's the limit. It's all about increasing velocity of capital. So it goes to projects that merit capital. And, you know, that's what we try to do. But this takes it to a level that accelerates it so much where I started kind of getting a little epiphany about that Internet of Money concept. Yeah. Just the, the no, but phrase. I think that theory totally makes sense. Yeah. Like, I, I totally agree with you that that is I, I think we're almost there. You know, so it's a it's like an ultimate levering of money. So think about the UBI concepts, universal base income, other nonprofits. Oh, did you, you see know, what I, Vitalik did today? No, I missed that one. Oh, so there's is a UBI project. Uh, proof of humanity is tied to it. Um, guy Santi, who was scheduled on my show, couldn't make it, so we need to reschedule. But it is actually a protocol that is trying to use yield on blockchain to actually give people a UBI. And Vitalik this morning contributed 50,000 of uh, 50,000, 50 ETH or last night, 50 ETH to the project and then burned the tokens he was given so that he obviously contributed to the one he con way. Yeah. He contributed in one way to the project, um, which I thought was very cool. Um, so uh, I think you're right. Like, you know, look. There are so many ways to make money in this space that the opportunity, it's funny, I tweeted it, Andrew Yang follows me, I tweeted him the other day, and I said, you know, uh, Andrew, like, we should, we need a DAO that invests in robotics, automation, AI, self-driving trucks. We need to accelerate, the, the inflation is going to accelerate all of these things, right? These companies that are paying $35 an hour for uh, somebody to work at McDonald's, are going to go tired of that and they are going to automate and they're going to buy robots and they're going to invest in that. Because right now, prior to this, uh, I was listening to All In, which is the podcast with Jason Calacanis and Chamath and David Sachs and those guys. And they were talking about this, right? Prior to now, it cost too much to invest in robotics. It was cheaper to hire a $10 or $15 an hour worker. But now 
when fast food workers are making 25, 30 and $35 an hour, now it becomes feasible to invest in automation. And that's what these companies are going to start doing. They're going to start investing in automating everything, artificial intelligence, robotics, automation, self-driving trucks, you know? And so this whole kind of COVID related, I'm not working this shitty job anymore thing that's happened is actually going to accelerate automation in my opinion. And um, that acceleration could be an investment opportunity that could then generate revenue, investment returns that could then actually help pay for a UBI, right? So I, I just, I think there's some interesting potential here. And I think in what we're doing in DeFi, there's a lot of opportunities to kind of change how human beings live. Um, we've talked about DAOs, we've talked about companies changing and organizations changing. I think we're. I think that once we hit kind of that peak level, once that hockey stick really starts climbing uh, on the overall market, that we're going to see like a lot of transformational shit happening. You know, the city of Miami just got seven million dollars for doing nothing from a token project, uh, a BTC-based token project, CityCoin. So there are all kinds of things, and the interesting thing that happens. What I wonder happens in society and culture is when money is easy, right? When when making 20% a year on your money is automatic, right? You get paid by whoever pays you and 20% of that money goes into some yield farm or bonding operation and it's making you money and making you more money and making you more money maybe we all create our own UBI and work becomes a thing of the past. I mean, there is a potential for a lot of what we do to get eliminated for a living because we can actually create self-perpetuating money. Um, and But then what becomes the value of money? Like, do we reach, a, I used to joke about AI. I used to say, what happens when, uh, the artificial intelligence salesman is selling to the artificial intelligence buyer, right? What, what happens when the artificial intelligence marketer is selling to the artificial intelligence buyer or the consumer robot that's buying for our behalf, our groceries? I mean, what happens to society when all of that is entirely automated and there's no need for people to sell or market anymore? I don't know. You it's know, crazy. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, sort of like I saw a movie recently where they were playing, you know, that game where you, rock, paper, scissors, yeah. choose. And it's like every time you throw, everybody's throwing the same thing. You know, it's like, <laughs> change. When the AI is selling to the AI, you know, they're all gaming it. And so it's like nothing's going to happen. There's going to be an AI brain lock or something. Um, but, you know, it was just funny when you were saying that. I, you know, I agree that it just kind of goes back to where, you know, education, man, education get some, learn some. And I don't mean you have to go to fancy schools and stuff. I just mean, go learn. I mean, there's so much free information out there to, to yep. gather and multiple sources, you know, generally, you know, just a lot of good content because you're going to have a tough world to navigate as yep. these transitions occur. But if you get into the right platforms like that and you hold that stuff and you go for platform fees, um, you know, then you're part of those transitions. Yeah. So, well, and I think that's what we can do, right? If we start educating, like if I start educating my kids on creating self-perpetuating money, 
now at 15 and 12, right? And take what I'm earning and put that in for them. I don't give a shit what they do. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, it's like yeah. if our entire, my job. Exactly. My job. If our entire system yeah. keeps working and allows people to perpetuate money and not have to work and automation makes that even more possible. And then people can focus on being creative, uh, inventing new things, philanthropic, you know, volunteer efforts, uh, cleaning up society, destroying climate change. I mean, there, there are a lot of big problems in our world that we could put brain power into that is diverted because everybody needs a job and companies have to grow. But I, I think there's some really interesting dynamics coming up for my kids. It's probably not going to hit until they're in their 40s or 50s the full blown force of it, but this shit's accelerating so rapidly, who knows, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean it, you know, as these say industries disrupt human labor or, you know, cheap human labor, um, not skilled human labor, but cheap human labor, then, you know, there's businesses that form around creating those um, devices and managing those devices and servicing those devices and training people how to use those devices. So there's always like a, you know, job multiplier effect in there, but there's more jobs and they're, you know, tend to be higher paying. I, just like I actually am not sure more. there will be a job multiplier effect because I think the robots will service the machines. I think the software will self-service itself. And I don't think humans are going to have to operate it. We already have AI that's better at diagnosing breast cancer than doctors. Yeah. So when you think about that impact on kind of the skilled labor, yeah, I still want a doctor to weigh in, but do you know, do I reach a point where I really don't need him? <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe it's a technician that knows how to operate the machine. That yeah, that's it. Service, Push yeah. green button. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, enter weight, height, age, unlock door, turn on lights, approve process. <laughs> swap <laughs> it's like, and it's all coming through your metamask wallet at that point but yeah i think society reaches a point where we don't have to work and where we can invent be creative don't know when that happens but i think all of these things are happening together dows the nature of freelance work the nature of not being a part of a company not having a job um defi self-perpetuating money artificial intelligence, automation, self-driving trucks. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, truck drivers are one of the largest employment sectors in this country, in the United States, one of the largest. Yeah. And there are already self-driving trucks driving back and forth across the country right now. And it's only a matter of time till all truck driving jobs are eliminated, even to the last mile, right? Right now they're handling, drivers are handling the last mile, but even then it won't be needed. And then when the truck pulls up, what gets unloaded, right? But are you thinking, do you consider like an Amazon Prime driver or a FedEx truck driver a truck driver? Or Well, I can see the drivers doing it, but Amazon Prime is building a robot right now to deliver the packages out of the self-driving vans. Yeah. There's a yeah. video of them experimenting with it. So who, the guy, Where's there's it? no humans unloading the trucks. There's no warehouse workers. There's no factory workers. Everything gets automated. I, I don't see how it doesn't. I really well, don't. To. And that's the nature of capitalism, right? You, you, 
you so what do we need? We need self-perpetuating money or we need a government-paid UBI. But why not just have a self-perpetuating money, right? That's investing in all of these things that are automated and happening and pays the entrepreneur who created it or invented it or made it better, right? Um, so I don't know. But at some point, I feel like I should be smoking a joint. Uh, at some yeah, point, <laughs> Part two of this call. Hold on. I'm sure we've lost every listener today. Um, at some point, at some point, we reach a point where work isn't necessary, but then what is money for anymore? Right. If every human has self-perpetuating money and we're all investing in these financial vehicles just for shits and giggles, which is all it'll really be at that point, like what you and I are doing every day, you know, we're investing to make money, but it's really shits and giggles, dude. I mean, think about it. This shit's not going anywhere. Um, we're all just kind of perpetuating money making, right? Money printing. Um, what happens when nobody needs it anymore? Right now, does society revert backwards because nobody wants to invent anything because there's no incentive, or does society move forward because people are incented just to make a better society because everything else is taken care of? I don't know. I think it's more self-interest. I think eventually, you know, market tops and transitions are set by someone decides oh, I'm going to get mine before everybody else gets there. Okay? <laughs> and when they make that move, somewhat of consequence, then it sets a price, and everybody either follows or goes. So that's crazy, man. It's going to go up. Yeah. And so in general, anything, um, I think it's sort of a, you know, prisoner's dilemma kind of concept where um, it can't just keep going up. Um, or the market says if it's going to go up, the math says if it's going to go up. Right. Um, so universal basic income, I like, I don't know if we getting beyond money would be super cool. I mean, I think that's maybe utopian in some ways, but yeah, it is. all the resources are being given to us. But also humans are lazy as shit. Okay. So, I mean, can you imagine how fat everybody's going to be then? Well, it's interesting and when UBI has been tried in lots of studies, there's this guy, Scott Santons, who's just yeah. the kind of the UBI expert on Twitter. People work more. They exercise Bro. more. They get healthier. Uh, it's actually astounding that actually when you give people money, they actually think about their physical well-being and they actually start operating on ideas and yeah. creativity. So it's it's crazy because the default would be, oh yeah, give people money. They're going to sit on their ass, drink and do drugs all day. Drug use drops, drinking drops, everything. It's incredible. Yeah. But my, yeah, I was kind of my, uh, I was more thinking in a context of if people got all their money from it. Yeah. Have to do anything. But I agree. If, if you're like a single mom and you're out there and it's like, okay, you either take the job where you got to go get to take the bus for an hour or drive for an hour you got to pay for childcare, which often leaves you with a very thin margin. It becomes yep. like, why the fuck do that? Exactly. Because it's a negative capital. I mean, just to have a job. Well, and don't and forget so, that we punish welfare recipients for getting a second job, yeah. right? You're not allowed to work if you're collecting welfare. So it's, like, it's, it's the most insane thing in the world. It's like, well, how are they ever going to climb out of the hole if the incentive is don't work, right? Yeah. You know, but if you give them a, if you give them a UBI, then they can work and they know they can quit. Right. They don't have to put up with bullshit. Or what if you gave them a bonus? Like if you were on welfare and then you went and got a job too, you got a bonus, which was like, you know, double the job rate or you got plussed up some way into a, you know, a wallet of some type where you 
had something working for you, an asset. Yeah. Um, because then it incentivizes everybody to go look for work that they can tolerate or that they enjoy. Um, you know, I think a lot of stuff has to be thought about in different ways to incentivize because you don't want people going, fuck it, you know, I can't get it done and quitting. Um, and you don't want them being disincentivized to work harder, but right. you want them to feel safe and you want them to be able to go to the doctor and you want them to be able to, you know, eke out a basic level of existence, even if they can't ever pull it together. Yeah. Um, it's kind of my philosophy, but everybody at the top can kind of, you know, it's a different set there. You know, I kind of segment between urban versus everything else in the way the societies are structured. So I'm not the guy who worries so much about the billionaires in New York and what they're doing, because they're usually going after each other um, <laughs> most of the time. And I'm more worried about, you know, the sort of gentry class in small town America that owns a couple of Applebee's and a gas station, and a few other things, agricultural products that depend on cheap labor to drive those businesses. Yep. And a lot of them, you know, maybe throw in a payday loan place. And a lot of them, <clears throat> you know, are extractive um, positions in society. They don't create uh, societal wealth. They, they concentrate and they're dependent upon inefficiencies that yep. keep people bonded in a way. Yeah, um, totally. So that's the problem to me. And so this is the Sandernistas. This is the Trump people. This is people who have been left behind. Yep. And it's always what populism tries to address. Yep. Um, and we're just at this weird point now where these types of things that we talk about can help people get out of the hole. That's right. And, you know, but be sensible. Yeah. You know, just but but look into this. So there's a great book, um, guy named Jeff Booth on um, inflation. He's a big Bitcoin maximalist, but um, the book is really uh, fantastic. Uh, it's all about inflation and automation and how tech causes deflation. Really good guy. Um, let me find the name of the book. I think it's this is him. He had a successful exit from a startup. The Price of Tomorrow. Highly recommend this book. I, I learned a lot of lessons from this book about economics and inflation and everything else. Really, really great stuff. So highly recommend it. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to be probably uh, interviewing the guys behind this little project, which is a combination of uh, NFT. Essentially, it allows you to lock vaults in NFTs, um, but they could be anything. It could be for a vesting schedule for uh, for uh, founders of a project, right? They can. I just watched a video of them setting one up the other day for a project called EcoFi, I think, um, and they were locking all their tokens in, and they could and they could set up in the interface their dashboard interface to this app. They could set up an either or scenario of either unlock this on April twenty third, twenty twenty three, or when the price of the token hits hundred bucks or 50 bucks or whatever it was. Right. So, uh, you, they were building an incentivized, an incentivization structure, but you could do all kinds of logic with these things to lock it up and put things away. You could create one that has, um, a bunch of tokens in it to start and sell it as an NFT with the underlying tokens locked in it. And you can add more tokens to it. So if you had some kind of investing schedule and people could buy it, and treat it almost like, I guess, an index fund. I don't know all the details of it, but I'm really, uh, I'm really impressed with conceptually the tool, and I think it's got a lot of cool potential in it. Um, so, I wanted to bring that up today. I'll uh, let cool. everybody know when we do the interview on that one. Yeah, um, that looks really cool. I like it. I like the name. 
you know, a yeah. combination of rebase and invest. Exactly. So, exactly. Applies that like daily compounding, multiple compounding and Yep. Um, no, that's cool. I'm going to yeah, dig into this one. It's very cool. I love this project. I don't, I haven't even looked at token or anything else. I just, uh, uh, I, I just was, uh, somebody direct messaged me in Twitter asking me to take a look at it. I guess they're a supporter of the project and, you know, I get a lot of those. Um, but this one, uh, breezy, some big number read, reached out to me today. I guess their token is RVST. Yes. Um, I'm looking think, at it right now. I think Came it's out. 28th of September, it launched. Yeah, pretty new. From launch. So um, it ran up from 30 to 40 that day and then went down as low as 15, 16. Now we're looking That's like a way nice up. run today. Yeah, it's up 30, 27% today. Yeah. Um, I'm going to dig in on this one. This looks kind of, Is it layer one or polygon or what is it? I can't tell. I don't know. Well, I see some Binance Smart Chain. Oh, wait, I could tell you right here. Hold on. The token is ETH main uh, layer one. Okay. Maybe right. they're func Maybe it functions on across all of them. I don't know. But that's the right. And look, only a hundred million tokens out there, and they're all out there. It looks like. So. Yeah. To the two primary founders, the CFO and the CEO, are doxed U.S. So. Perfect. Oh yeah. So. Some brave people. Yeah, but you um, know, at least you know that they're not. Yeah, do they yep. have any of the rug pull stuff on them or anything? Like, uh, I don't know, and I don't know about audits. I've just started looking at yeah. this project, yep. but it's uh, really interesting. So, thanks, Breezy, for uh, for the for the tip. Um, and I'm going to reach out to them and see if I can't get an interview going because I I really like the project. I also like their aesthetics. I like their design. I, I think the the NFTs look really cool, and um, yeah. you know, it's 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 nice. Just get rid of the gold coin. I hate the gold coin. So can we stake any of our NFTs there now? I'm wondering. I need to climb deeper into figuring it out. Like you can stake tokens in it. I don't know if you can stake NFTs inside the NFT. I, I, I don't know. I got to read the docs. I'd like. I just started looking at yeah. it, but I thought you'd be find it interesting. No, absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing we're always looking at too: is how do we unlock some of the NFT yeah. value? But this shows me this or is kind of could a you create? Finance. Could yeah. you could you create an NFT that you sell? It's like a index fund NFT, right? And so people decide whether or not they think you you have what it takes to pick investments, right? So mm -hmm. maybe they want to make a long-term play, but they don't know what to invest in. And so you say, well, you know what? I'm putting together a bundle. Maybe you hide what's in it, right? Maybe you have a track record and you do like a, you gamify it. And it's like, all right, I'm picking my DeFi 2.0 tokens but i'm not telling you what they are okay how um, about this how about this each one's in the machine like the gachapon machine and there's like the one ooh. that's like a 15 percent return let's say or oh. you know and then all the other ones like oh. there's three that are like 10 oh. and there's a whole bunch that are like 0.01 oh, or something joe that's awesome <laughs> so if we use kilroy to power it yeah oh did you see the kilroy doc by the way I just started going through it before okay, the call, okay. so I'll go through it. But it's just a big brain dump. So think about that. All right. Yeah, and yeah, that's awesome. Uh, another one I'm reaching out to. They just raised around, I think, 23 million is Somalia. Um, This is a bridge and cross chain, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all about um, automating trading, lowering gas transaction fees on mainnet uh, for automated trading. Um, I don't know what the impermanent loss protection is, but I'm going to take a look at this tool. I don't know if this is only for whales or if it works for anybody, um, but definitely um, 
definitely going to take a closer look at this because this is tools I need every day. And as we move um, the material indicators uh, products into DeFi, this might be a really good partner for us. So I've reached out to Zaki, the founder, which I'm assuming yep. it's Zaki, um, which is what Manian is the last name. Yeah, they got yeah. three guys out, Docs. So yeah, yeah no, the whole is, team is docs. Yeah. The crazy thing is, every single one of them is a co-founder, which is a little odd. Oh, that's gets a little unwieldy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Eleven co-founders. So, but, what is their big thing? Uh, bi-directional Ethereum automation, bridge. automation in trading to reduce uh, gas fees and to uh, protect against impermanent loss. Right. So, so oh, and they're on. A Cosmos. Like well, it's Cosmos. They're using Cosmos Liberty. Stargate SDK and a bidirectional Ethereum bridge, but it's layer one Ethereum. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's going to be angles there with gas fees and yeah. stuff going forward to make that cheaper, I think. Trying to get Route 2 Fi on the show. We were talking this morning. He's got this 160% APY, you know, looping investment where you borrow against, you stake, you borrow, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is a really good tweet. Um, about how to do it, but I wanted to get him on the show to talk about it. So I've invited him on to DeFi Lunch. Yeah, if you want to go full DGen, that's the play. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's it's kind of like nine 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 on steroids. Yeah, but this <laughs> is all stable coins. That's the interesting thing, yeah. right? If you think a coin's going to maintain its peg, it's pretty safe. But you don't have to take as much to get to 160%. He says at the end, he's going to do it less leverage and he's going to try to get 100 to 120%, which, you yeah, know. So cool. again, that's on stables. So, yep. Yep. Um, you know. But you're... I mean, 160% or 120, hell, 100% staking USD coins is friggin' awesome. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, I think you could see it sometimes 40, 60% if you're lucky on some of these rollover days. But, you know, if you could go do 120, 140 low risk. Yeah. Psh, that's a good strategy to know. All right. So this came up from that. Uh, uh, this is a real arcade racing game built on the blockchain with some kinds of incentives. So I'm going to make my son research this one. Yeah, that looks kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, there was something else I was looking at when I was, maybe it was, you know, kind of on a line of with like router and define how they're positioning in between the layer ones. You know, I think anything that's doing that, particularly NFTs, liquidity pooling, you know, sex indexes kind of thing. Um, you know, it's like I was reading a lot up on Luna today and the UST and just how they keep that peg set, you know, which tied into what you said. There's there's so much opportunity out here that it's just. Yeah. Um, I mean, what you end up doing with Wonderland? I'm in. Okay. I'm in. I put a couple right. of grand in. I mean, I'm not crazy in, but I'm in. Yeah. No, I'm thinking about, you know, I just haven't been gotten the Avalanche. We're, um, can you send me a link later for Avalanche RPCs? Um, I could, I saw a couple, but I wasn't sure if they were the um, right ones. I don't, I'll send you the one I have in my wallet. Um, yeah, that one. The, I, the, when I went into Wonderland, or maybe it was to the swap, it automatically configured it for me, but let me get it for you. Just I, don't, I didn't have to put, actually put it in. Oh, oh, I did see that. I thought that was on Moon River, though. I couldn't remember where that was. Yeah, let um, me um but I'll find it for you. Yeah. And also everyone, sushi swap, there were some nice yield pools there, which you know, and, and you know, the Klima token is bouncing around from it's at 1722 right now. Glad I missed that one. Um yeah, just in a sense that, that total mess. 
Yeah, yeah. When you have things like that going on, it's it starts worrying me. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not saying it's not a good project. Of course, I love the goals, but um, you know that B. I was trying to go for the five X out of the price differential. Right. After that, I wasn't necessarily coming in for the long hold, and and I did. Okay, I see it. Um, All right. Now, anything else urgent today, Joe? No, I think that's it. Um, you know, like I said, just uh, where are we at on um, ETH and, and BTC right now? We're sitting there. At, Let me uh, go back to the chart. We've got go BTC back. at 6677. 4076 for ETH. Yeah, and so uh, Binance, uh, BNB's bro broke 500. That was the other thing I've been thinking about lately, too, before we go is, you know, I mean, we should be thinking about some B and B and some of these strategies. Um, if you're going to play layer ones, I think. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I love. I, I look. I we should start taking a look at BSC a little more. I guess. Yeah, um, because it definitely. I mean, I know they've thrown us some regulatory pressure, but you know, I think they'll get through that okay in the end. Do whatever they got to do to make it happen, but. Um, you know, it's one I kind of miss and because I keep remember it being 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And at like 270 or something and go, yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you my all time story next time, everyone. Which was, Sounds uh, good, dude. Yeah. But anyhow, I'll talk to you later, Brad. You have a good all day. right, buddy. Have a good day. Talk to you. See ya. October still going on. Still happening, man. See ya. Right, bye. Bye.